Welcome to episode 135 of Ready Press Play, recorded September 8th, 2022. We're your bi-weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Today, we'll be talking about more company acquisitions, Call of Duty on PlayStation, game anniversaries, and more. Stay tuned. What's up, players? This is your host, Dan Lima, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Mr. Louis Menchaca. You know, Dan, I can't help but escape the feeling that the news that you said at the beginning is stuff that we've already talked about before. I know, right? It almost feels like a, just like a repeat of last, you know, two weeks ago, <laughs> uh, the episode from yeah. two weeks ago or something like that. But that's just that's just the games industry now, man. In fact, like... It's crazy how I've been doing these episodes less often than we used to, and I'm still struggling to find content worthy of topic of the show. You know what I mean? Or like, <laughs> uh, it, it feels like everything is like, you know, company acquisitions, but smaller ones that are not as significant as, uh, you know, the ones we've seen before. And then, you know, small updates to like live service games and whatnot. And then you got like, some uh, back and forth console war kind of back and forth between Sony and Microsoft and shit. And just, there's just, there's not a lot going on right now. It's crazy. Which is really weird. Like, I wonder how like the weekly podcasts are faring, by the way. Like, I don't, I know, I mean, I know I'm on like double XP and stuff like that, but generally speaking, we can make one topic last an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, but like, you know, like your, your, your Nintendo, your, your Nintendo voice chats and your podcast beyonds of the world. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, I, How do you talk I would about argue, something every week? You know, I would argue that if you're if you're a good podcaster, like we are, you know what I mean? We're good podcasters. So you can <laughs> you can make do with anything, right? You can you can go off on random tangents and you can take some small story and make a big deal out of it, especially when you're speaking to a dedicated audience, right? Like if you're if you're like a Nintendo um podcast, you could take something like, you know, the story of that we have on extra news today. Of like, there's a new switch for Pokemon. You know, it's a new switch color for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, right? Right. You can yeah, take that's that. About you can thirty talk. minutes right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So you can you can make it work. But I will I will say that interestingly enough, I actually had a bunch of podcasts that I used to listen to weekly with video game stuff, and I sort of fall I fell out of a lot of them this year, and I I, I think that has to do with there just not being as much stuff to talk about. So you kind of. I'll, they end up like you know taking these smaller topics and just overextending them, or they'll go and be like, "Oh, we're gonna talk about Metroid Prime today," whatever <laughs> you know, um, even when there isn't necessarily any new information and stuff, just to kind of reminisce about old stuff. It is it can be entertaining, but it just kind of I've just sort of slowly, naturally fell out of listening to a bunch of stuff because of that. Yeah, we need to bring back topic of the show, like the ones where we like do a we just pick a crazy topic like kind of like i did with like ready play movies where it's like yeah here's a new stuff but here's like a, here's a good topic of discussion let's pose a question and then let's answer it you know, right like that kind of stuff right exactly yeah. um i i agree that uh you know the, these times seem to warrant that it's interesting because i keep not wanting to commit to something like that because i feel like with the with the bi-weekly episodes like there will be every once in a while we're gonna get an episode where there's just way too much stuff right which we had happened before it just it feels like it's been a while right it's just there's yeah. there's just not that much that is really relevant to us and our audience and um 
I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm certain people don't want to hear us talking about how there is no news. <laughs> um, yeah. But if, right, they, if, they, if they do want to hear us talk about the game that we both just finished playing, which is Ghost of Tsushima, they can look forward to that next week. Uh, we're going to be releasing Ooh. our ghost review and spoiler cast discussion uh, on the one game at a time feed, as well as I'll continue to drop them on this feed, at least for the rest of this year. Uh, so you can look forward to that next Friday on the slot that would typically, you know, we'll typically have the episode. Yeah. Um, spoilers. I platinum the game. Yes. Yes, you did. Yes. Um, and I am, uh, and I am considering if I'm going to get, go and, uh, do that too. I'm, uh, I'm pretty close to having all the collectibles and then I'm just going to have to do some of the, the goofy ones where, uh, you know, kicking somebody off a ledge or whatever and yeah. <laughs> dressing up as like Cooper. Those are the, those are the things that yeah. I haven't, uh, that I haven't done yet. Um, Fair enough. but anyway, this is a video game podcast. Remember we meet every other Friday morning to discuss the top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms, big topics of the industry and the games we love. Now let's get started with the temple of time. <laughs> So obviously this is the segment where we look back in the ga video game anniversaries for the current month. That is the month of September. We're going to go back in time, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, five and five and five years to see how kind of the flagship notable games that are turning, uh, you know, milestone anniversaries this year. Uh, Louis, since you since you always put this together, what uh, what are your thoughts on September overall? Oh man, you know, we had a very banger ass August last month and we were like, man, this is like every we have something to talk about every single time. But this one, I feel like I'm a little let down, which is really crazy because September is usually normally like the start of like the fall season and you think you'd start ramping up with big releases. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, it just seems like after 10 years, I feel like with few exceptions, there's like it just sort of falls off for me personally. We'll see. All right. All right, well, let's go through them then. It's starting with September of 2017, games that are turning five years old this month. Knack 2 on the PS4. Destiny that's 2. That's the sequel. That's the sequel that everyone was asking for. Exactly. I mean, we're, I'm still waiting for Knack 3. You know what I mean? Uh, Destiny 2 on Xbox One and PS4. A game that's still relevant and being updated today. And uh, people are still excited about new expansions for it and stuff. Monster Hunter Stories on the 3DS, Pro Evolution Soccer 2018 on the PC, PS3, PS4, Xbox 360, and Xbox One. Um, damn, it's it's actually kind of crazy to think of games coming out on the PS3 and the 360 at this point. Because the new... <laughs> <laughs> we were four fucking years into the, <laughs> the new generation at that point. Um, yeah, that is actually true. You're right. But, you know, that, that, that tends to happen with sports games and stuff like that. Dishonored Death of the Outsider, which I'm guessing is some DLC, came out on PC, was, PS4, uh, and Xbox One. It was a standalone expansion. It was supposed to be a DLC, but then they turned it into its mm. own game because it was big enough to warrant it. Yeah. Good old, uh, you know, Uncharted Lost Legacy, Spider-Man Miles yeah. Morales kind of story. Uh, we got Metroid Samus Returns on the 3DS. You know, I, I applaud that game. Pretty good one. Pretty good one on the 3DS. NHL 18 on PS4 and Xbox One. NBA Live 18 on PS4 and Xbox One. NBA 2K 18 on PS4, Xbox One, as well as PS3 and 360. 
PC and the Nintendo Switch. Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Boo. <laughs> Did you play that one, Lewis? Unfortunately, yes, and it was pretty trash. It didn't even right. make Evo. All right, all right. Well, that's a sign. Uh, Doki Doki Literature Club on PC and Mac. Lewis, that is a game that we both <laughs> need to play at some point and do a spoiler oh. cast about, just so you know. I saw because... Game Theory. I saw I saw Game Theory, and I, and I feel like Game Theory spoiled it all for me. But oh. I know, I know what it's. I vaguely know what it's about. But you know, yeah. it's been like five years since I saw that YouTube video. I'm sure I don't remember all the details. But yes, I I'm I put it on the list because I know what it is. Yeah, I don't know the details of the game or you know, how it unfolds, but I know that it's just one of those that it is not what it seems. Right, like it presents itself in such a way, and then it just completely becomes something derails. else. Yeah, it derails and. I, I have an idea of what happens in it, but yeah, I don't know the details. Uh, Steam World, Steam World Dig Two on PC, Mac, Switch, Vita, and PS4. I own that game. I think I might even own it on two platforms. I think I have it on the Vita and the Switch. Uh, and I played it a little bit. I had a good time with it, but you know, I didn't. I ended up not getting too far. Both that one and the original Steam World Dig. Those are kind of neat. Like I. I would argue they're almost like cult classics to an, an extent of, uh, you know, the handheld platforms, at least. Um, yeah, I, I I remember SteamWorld Dig 1 being the one that had all the fanfare. Um, yes. I don't know what happened to SteamWorld Dig 2. Like, did it... It's, a, you know, it's a successful franchise. It has its fans. Uh, Dig 2 is not even the latest game in it they've done. There's, like, SteamWorld Heist and other stuff as well. Like, the SteamWorld series has had at least three games by now, and... Uh, every time they come out, I sort of see it like, I you know, I, I see it on the releases. I sometimes hear somebody talking about it on a podcast or whatever that I listen to. They're not, they don't set the world on fire. I would, I would argue Dig 1 was probably the one that did catch most attention, but, um, you know, there are people that play them. Um, I would argue it's a similar situation with Shovel Knight and its, its updates and stuff, right? Where like, you know, everybody loved Shovel Knight, but not everybody stuck with, the following spin-offs and DLCs yeah. and stuff like that, right? Yeah, fair enough. Uh Lewis's favorite, Fortnite on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. I could be Video, wrong, but top I... video game of all time. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes. I, I believe um I believe this was the first version of the game before Battle Royale was even a thing, right? I'm my understanding is that it it launched with Battle Royale first, like that's how it released. With Save the World came later, I think. I don't know. Oh, you got to get informed then. I was I I'm I'm actually being caught off guard by your lack of a <laughs> <laughs> your lack of history knowledge here. No, Fortnite was a failure for about a year before they released Battle Royale. That's my understanding. Um, Interesting. That's that's what I always heard. At least the story. It's like the game that got turned around, similar to a. Uh, uh what is it called like no man's sky and stuff like that where it 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 came out it was like a pve uh you know co-op game or whatever it was it flopped and then they took a page off of PUBG and released a free-to-play battle royale mode and that's when it uh and that's when it blew up yeah Hmm. um project cars 2 came out on pc ps4 and xbox one fifa 18 came out on all the platforms Cuphead came out on PC and Xbox One. Star Fox 2 came out on the SNES Classic. I remember that. Uh, 
And Yokai Watch 2 Psychic Specters came out on the 3DS. Louis, any further thoughts? Um, well, honestly, I completely forgot. Like, it's been the five-year anniversary of the Super Nintendo Classic. I feel like, you know, those classic little mini consoles were all the rage back then, and we need to bring them back. Um, I, we, we, always, <laughs> we wanted, like, an N64 Classic or a Game Boy Classic and stuff like that. So I feel like the companies need to, get, uh, need to jump on that. And then um, as far as everything else, um, you know, what's kind of interesting is like we've been having a lot of five-year anniversaries and stuff like that where like we're talking about like Tekken 7 and other other various games, not just mm-hmm. Destiny and Fortnite. But we've been hitting this situation where a lot of uh, service-based games that are turning five years old and they're still relevant and they're still kicking and they're still going – like, I wonder if we're ever going to be in a situation where it's going to be the 10-year anniversary and Destiny 2 is, you know, not, there's still not a Destiny 3 or, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder mm-hmm. if we're going to see a situation where, like, Fortnite's 10th anniversary is still going to be the original release or whatever, or the quote-unquote original release. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting to think about. Um, you know, I, I find it weird how sometimes people treat... Um, how sometimes people treat certain things as being like, like, oh, it's new. Like now this, there's this new trend of like the games as a service and stuff like that. And then I remember that stuff like that has existed since, you know, the 90s with MMOs and shit like that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, WoW, WoW is a great example. I think it's from the early 2000s. Um, but it is true that it feels like it's becoming more and more popular. And it is especially becoming more popular with console games, right? For the longest time, it was more of a PC uh centered thing like pc games i feel like pc games almost like from their inception were almost sort of designed in that way because even if you go back to classics like doom um and wolfenstein and stuff like that they were not service games but they were all about the mods right like and uh and the mods kind of gave an extensive life to to some of these games where people kept playing them over time and stuff um even like mobile games sort of ha- like kind of like have that same model like when a clash of clans just celebrated its 10th year anniversary and it's still going um mm-hmm. and like what else was going to say um damn I, I had another mobile game in my in my head as i can't remember i just just lost my train of thought but basically yeah uh games just can oh freaking candy crush yeah that's what i was trying to think like just these games can just basically live in perpetuity and just keep getting updates and no one will bat an eye it'll still be at the top of this it'll still be at the top of the charts kind of thing mm-hmm. so um yeah i think we're just sort of turning a corner uh when i'm looking at these trends when we're talking about these five-year anniversaries this all year long and we're realizing that this is going to be more common we're going to be seeing games that are you know turning five years old and they're still kicking you know yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I do want to, because I, I did look into this because I was like, I, I had this as like 100% uh, certain in my head. And then the fact that you didn't know about it made me question it because I do trust you uh, <laughs> in your knowledge of things. And uh turns out that I was kind of right, but I was way off on something, which is that Save the World did come first, but it was off by uh, two months from Battle Royale. So uh save the world came out in july of 2017 and uh battle royale in september so they managed to get they had a one uh one million players played uh save the world but then when they released battle royale then uh then they reached 10 million players within two weeks oh my uh, god and then over a hundred million players within like a year so um 
Yeah. yeah. So there was, like, the story... I did remember the story kind of right, but I had the timeline off in my head. Yeah. Um, it's my understanding from a development standpoint that the Battle Royale was, like, an afterthought. Like, it was the main <clears> game. Like, Save the World was supposed to be Fortnite, the actual game. But yes. they quickly pivoted, like... I guess by accident, I guess. So Yeah, or, I mean it's sometimes yeah. you put things out into the world and, and one hits and the other doesn't, right? So you just gotta you just gotta go with the hit. Um so yeah, that makes sense that makes sense. Um yeah. ten years ago, so game's turning ten years old now, on September of twenty twelve, we saw NHL thirteen on PS3 and Xbox three sixty, Tech and Tag Tournament two on PS3 and Xbox three sixty. Uh bet Lewis is excited about that one. <laughs> Kirby's Dream Collection on the Wii. I remember that. It was like the Wii. It was one of the swan songs of the of the Wii ahead of the Wii U launch. And the, spe- the special packaging. Yes. Borderlands 2 on PC, PS3, and Xbox 360. Ooh, I need to fix that. F1 2012 on PC, PS3, and Xbox 360. Rayman Jungle Run on iOS and Android. I actually think I remember that game. That was yeah, like I have that one. <laughs> that was around the time where like every mobile game was a fucking endless runner, you know, and they <laughs> they were all copying fucking Temple Run or whatever was the first like highly successful one. Super Mario Run, J- Rayman Jungle Run, Temple Run, yeah, everything yeah. was a run. You know, but uh, actually with Jungle Run specifically, it was level based. It wasn't an endless runner. Um mm-hmm. And I, it was uh, a solid, was, it was a solid game. Yeah. This was around the time when Rayman Legends came out and like, I was like, you know, really into it. So I was like, all of a sudden it was just like a no brainer to get this game. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. I think it reviewed well too, by the way. Uh, Angry Birds Trilogy came out on Xbox 360, PS3 and 3DS. Cause those are the platforms where you want to play Angry Birds. Of course. <laughs> Dead or Alive 5 came out on PS3 and Xbox 360. FIFA 13 came out on literally everything. I said Say everything it. for another game before, but this one is insane. Say it. All right. PC, PS3, Xbox 360, Wii, Vita, PSP, PS2, iOS. That is insane. Yes. <laughs> like, I feel like this has to be the world record holder for like the most simultaneous releases on, on platforms. Like, Possibly. I, I don't know. I, I want to see this. Like, I genuinely want to see that be more commonplace where it's just like, Literally release it on everything. <laughs> uh, like uh. same, same. I've talked about it before. I'm a believer in that. Uh, Little Big Planet P- PlayStation Vita came out, of course, on the PlayStation Vita. <laughs> uh, I love it whenever the name of the cl- platform is on there. Yes, or like with the Wii U games, where they just put the the letter U, U at the end of everything. Yeah, uh, and finally, Pro Evolution Soccer 2013 came out on the PC, PS3, and 360. Uh. Interesting batch of games. I played Borderlands 2 uh, with a friend at one point. I feel like it was years after this. Uh, I played it on PC. I it was it was fine. I uh, th- you know there's that franchise has never quite necessarily grabbed me or whatever, but it it's decent. Um, do do you have uh, anything to say about any of these other games, Louis? So Tekken Tag Tournament Two. I actually bought it in November of 2012 uh, when it was a Wii U launch title, and it had oh, Wii U. Interesting. Uh, it had Wii U costumes where, like, you can make the characters dress up as, like, Mario characters, like uh-huh. Mario, Luigi, Toad, Peach, and stuff like that. And uh, I just remember, like, it being funny and f- cool and seeing all these characters, like, Eddie Gordo freaking wear, like, a 
like a Luigi nose or whatever, you know, whatever the, I forgot what characters, but it, it was like on a character by character basis where they just have a skin. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Nintendo was cool with that and they did. And uh, I think the Wii U version could be the definitive version just because it has all the features and stuff. It has more features than the other games plus the Nintendo skins. So yeah, yeah. it's always fun when Nintendo plays along with devs and does shit like that. Like I, uh, I was seeing, uh, I watched a video recently on YouTube of like one of those like top 25 Switch games or whatever, and they threw Skyrim in the list, but the footage of Skyrim that they had was like with the Link skin, like the Breath of the Wild Link skin (laughs) in the character, you know, running around playing Skyrim. And I was like, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Makes makes the the Nintendo version of the game look unique when, when you're playing around with those features and stuff. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? Uh, as far as Angry Birds, like, I will say this. Like, the right stick is fine, I guess, but the 3DS was better because at least it has a touchscreen, so you can, like, manually, like, drag and, like, pull and stuff. So, I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I'm not sure how I feel about the, uh, about the conversion from mobile to console. Like, I think yeah. console to mobile is better, is, is a better jump than the other way around. See, um, yeah, I have a I have a design like a game design philosophy that is now considered outdated. Um, but I I believe that you know as much as I want to see things on as many platforms as possible, uh, certain games just fit a platform best than they do others, right? So, to me, Angry Birds on mobile in the way that it was originally designed for touchscreen mobile devices, I think that is a amazing game i really do like i'm not being facetious or whatever like i think that is a perfect use of that interface to make a dope fun game that uh, that appeals to the right like uh, appeals to the right benefits off the platform right uh Mm -hmm. to the advantages of the platform the moment you put that into any other platform it may still play fine but it no longer like it, it it no longer has the same power because now it just seems like a shitty game in that platform when compared to everything else that's in that platform, right? Um, but when I think about Angry Birds, Fruit Ninja, Monument Valley, you know, uh, Mario Run, even the Rayman Run game, um, Infinity Blade, which is a bit different, <laughs> like a different style. Like, um, there's a game called The Vice 6 that I really love on mobile. There's a game called Threes that I really love on mobile, like, that's like that's the sheet the shit that i eat up on mobile you know what i mean like that's the shit that i really like where it's like let's figure out how to make something unique in this platform that just wouldn't work anywhere else in the same way right um so yeah shout out like non-ironic shout out to angry birds (laughs) (laughs) yeah i beat the first game like i three started everything yeah Mm -hmm. Um, never played the sequels, but my dad was really into Angry Birds, and he like beat all the games, including like Angry Birds Star Wars or whatever the hell. Um, which, by the <laughs> way, like I gotta say, like for those that don't remember, but back in the day, like Angry Birds was like the shit. Like it was like the on top of the world, and it yeah, was like a, a big. Yeah, as a brand, it was like the biggest IP, and then it feels like the Angry Birds movie came a little too late in the or at the yeah. end of that tale. Like it should have, it did. You know, it should have striked when the iron was a little hotter, but it, you know, it barely kind of squeezed in there. But I think, like now, when I think about it, like I just feel like nobody cares about Angry Birds anymore. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, wonder I wonder if it's. I wonder how much money they're still making in uh in the. Platforms. Yeah, I wonder if that brand is still viable, like in general. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, 15 years ago, on September of 2007, we saw Medal of Honor Airborne come out on the PS3, the 360, and PC. Donkey Kong Jungle Climber came out on Nintendo DS. Drawn to Life came out on the DS as well. Dirt came out on the PS3. NHL 08 came out on PS2, PS3, Wii, Xbox 360, and PC. Skate, I'm guessing the original probably, uh, mm-hmm. came out on PS3 and Xbox 360. And Halo 3 came out on the Xbox 360. Halo 3 is probably like the big like saving grace of this one. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, know, people actually... really love Skate as well. And, uh, <laughs> no, I mean it. I, I mean uh, it. It's, uh, you know, there's a huge, like, people got really excited when uh, when it was recently announced that the, the franchise was coming back and stuff. So. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, we did cover yeah. that. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a franchise that definitely has its its fans. It's like there's like a... I would argue there's like the Tony Hawk fans and the skate fans and, and also a little bit of overlap probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything else here, I didn't really, I'm not really familiar with that. I know dirt is like the, you know, the off-road racing game and stuff. The free game of the month. <laughs> That's basically how I remember it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, uh, before we get into Halo, I just got to say like drawn to life is kind of like, uh, you know, that, what is that? The scribble knots or whatever. Like it's oh, kind of like that. Yeah. You draw it and it comes to life, kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, I had no idea that Donkey. There was a Donkey Kong uh, game or like a, a like a jungle climber game for the DS. I didn't. I had no idea. Um, but whatever. Don't even know what that is. Yeah. Um, and Medal Medal of Honor. I just feel like it needs to make a comeback. Like it was there, like during the SOCOM. Like uh, there was a lot of like games on like um, kind of obviously call of duty battlefield i, I was gonna like, say uh medal of honor is older than call of duty that is like that is one of the ogs like military shooter games and franchises and in fact i'm pretty sure that call of duty was born out of like a group of medal of honor developers that just kind of wanted to do their own thing um they left and made their own studio and created call of duty um, but yeah, I, it's one of those franchises that has struggled to stay relevant. They have come out with a new game, you know, every, like, this is not the latest game in the franchise. They've done other since, but I feel like they just haven't, uh, they haven't hit, you know, they haven't had a hit in a long time. So, um, right. it, it is slowly being relegated to obscurity in, in modern day for sure. Yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna be retired at some point, uh, if, if people don't buy it or if they don't make something mm-hmm. good. As far as Halo 3, um, I actually do remember the launch of Halo 3. I didn't own an Xbox 360 at the time, but I was in high school, and this is like this was September, so we were already like a couple of weeks into the school year, and I remember like the the freaking fan rage that was going on. Like it was all it was being talked about. Like I remember seeing in a magazine, like that's how old it was. Like this was like magazine. It's like <laughs> this game just broke the record for the highest, you know, gross or highest sales in in the first week or whatever the hell. It was like it was mm-hmm. such a big deal. Like I remember this being like this this big event, even when I was watching it from the sidelines. Um so yeah, cool. Halo three was a big deal back then. Cool. Yeah, I mean, we'll pr- that's one that uh, we're gonna play it eventually, and <laughs> and do a do a spoiler cast about it as well, maybe a year from now or something. Uh, but twenty years ago, in September of two thousand and two, uh, this seems like a an interesting batch here. 
Blade 2 came out on the PS2. Armored Core 3 came out on the PS2. Battlefield 1942 came out on the PC. Mega Man Zero came out on the GBA. I'm saying so many numbers right now. Uh, <laughs> the Thing came out on PS2 and Xbox. NHL Hits 2003 came out on PS2. NHL 2003 came out on the PS2. The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring came out on Xbox and GBA. Super Busta Move 2 came out on the PS2. Sly Cooper and the Thieves Raccoonus came out on the PS2. Tekken 4 came out on the PS2. Kingdom Hearts came out on the PS2. And Animal Crossing came out on the GameCube. Dude, this month saw the birth <laughs> of... It was, it was the birth of Kingdom Hearts and Animal Crossing. And I'm not sure if, uh, you know, the Sly Cooper game, if that's the first one or not. Probably not. Uh, and uh, and then Battlefield 1942, that is that is recognized as, like, one of the best battle... That's one of the fan favorites, like, Battlefield games, one that kind of reinvigorated the franchise at that point. So, um, yeah, that this is a pretty... Uh, I, I'd argue this is a pretty solid, pretty solid month. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I deliberately put Kingdom Hearts and Animal Crossing just to sort of stick the landing. Like, I try to, like, put the last ones up, like, uh, mm -hmm. to help, like, make it look good. Um, but yeah, no, like Animal Crossing is definitely like the, the humble beginnings of a mega, mega franchise, uh, for Nintendo. Um, yeah. And, uh, as far as Kingdom Hearts, we all know how much Aaliyah loves Kingdom Hearts. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I I give you that one. Um, I want to say that that Sly Cooper was probably the first one. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to Google it while we're talking, but yeah. Sure. Um, and as far as the, the, I, I remember, um, being at my cousin's house and I did play the Lord of the Rings, um, the Lord of the Rings games on the Xbox, but I just want to see like the differences between the Xbox and the GBA <laughs> versions. Uh, but yeah, but otherwise, uh, you're right. Fair it enough. is a pretty, it is a pretty, uh, solid, solid ass month on that one. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Tekken four? Uh, Tekken four. I'm trying to think. I, I don't remember Tekken 4 specifically because I played Tekken Tag Tournament on the PS2 and I played Tekken 5 on the PS2. Um, so I can't tell you what was specifically new or, or good about it. Mm -hmm. um, but generally speaking, like just as a, in case you don't know, but just just basically like since Tekken 3 and onwards, the games have basically played the same. So there's a mm -hmm. lot of backwards compatibility that you can do. If you main a certain character, you can just use the same moves even in the latest games. So, uh, yeah, right. I would imagine it's more, more, more along the, more along those lines. So if I were to boot up Tekken four on the PS2 for the first time, I'm pretty sure I could just, I could just whoop ass because I can just play Tekken tag tournament. All right. Uh, while you Google the Sly Cooper thing, I'm going to go back another five years, 25 years ago on September of 1997, we had odd world Abe's Odyssey come out on PS one and PC. Fallout come out on PC, Postal on PC as well, and also Total Annihilation for PC. Uh, and funny enough, uh, the only game I did, there is a game here that I did play uh, quite a bit, and Fallout. that was uh, Oddworld. Ah, actually. Uh, you know, and it's one of those. It's one of those. Like it's one of the oldest gaming memories that I have because I somehow got access to that game on my uh, on our home PC when I was like six or seven or whatever. I don't know. And like maybe my parents bought it for me or I pirated it. I don't even fucking know. Um, but I, I remember playing that game and I remember having a good time. It was like a nice little puzzle platformer 
game and it's interesting that that franchise also still has some level of relevancy to this day it's kind of one of those yeah. weird like franchises that have stuck around even though they it feels like they were never mainstream but they're still around and um still getting some sales i guess so uh first off sly cooper that was the first one in the franchise cool, um cool and then as far as odd worlds like isn't isn't that title the exact same title that's kind of like is that a, that can get a remake or something? Because like I feel like um, I've heard that exact same title name word for I word. I think I think that the most uh, I mean we we see that that game title show up every once in a while because it gets added to like um like uh, backwards compatibility shit and and uh, mm. you know streaming services and Game Pass and stuff like that. Uh, that is I think the biggest game in the franchise. The latest one I'm trying to remember what it was called, but it was like. I think it was similar, but with a different word at the end. Um, I'm gonna look it up right now. Okay. Well, while you look it up here, I'll just <laughs> so I'll I'll uh, I'll talk over here. Uh, Fallout definitely humble beginnings. Um, it's not the Fallout you think it is. You know, it has a completely different HUD and different inter- interface. Um, Postal was a video game about going postal, I guess, and uh, I don't know if you know what that means, but. Um, there was a, a movie adaptation, so like somebody, uh, I think the director for the movie Postal, like bought the rights to that game to make it into a movie, and it's like an iconic movie back in the day. Um, yeah, it's just kind of crazy. And then Total Annihilation, I believe, is just like a, it's a real time strategy game. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So the latest one was called Odd World Soulstorm. That's the one that came out last year, and it was, uh, I think, it came out on PS Plus day one or something, and. Uh, Lauren Lanning, who is the creative director behind the game, even went off and talked shit about how like nobody bought the game or something when it because it was on the uh, included on yeah, PS I remember Plus, that. right? Remember yeah. that? The yeah. one before that was a uh, new and tasty in twenty fourteen. Uh, there was Stranger's Wrath in two thousand five, Munch's Odyssey in two thousand three, uh, uh, two thousand three on the Game Boy, and two thousand one in uh, other platforms. Uh, there was Oddworld Adventures, Oddworld Abe's Exodus, and yeah, Abe's Odyssey is just the first one. Um, it must have gotten re-released or something at some point, because I, I agree. Like, I feel like that name, it just comes up too often to just be the, <laughs> the yeah. old-ass 25-year-old game. Yeah. Uh, but you know what's interesting to think about this, Louis, as we go through what's this up? list? What's September up? may not be, a, like, in general, a, uh, a great month for releases every year. Uh, but we have a lot of franchises that start in September, right? Like a lot of new IP with Animal Crossing, Kingdom Hearts, Sly Cooper, Oddworld, Fallout. Those are all like <laughs> meaningful IP that started in in September. And Fortnite. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's Fortnite. true. That's true. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, it, it it makes me think that perhaps like you know y- you usually don't get. Like, you usually don't get your Call of Duty release in September, right? Like, you usually yeah, don't November, get your... Uh, October, yeah. Like, sort of like your expected big hitter. So perhaps it's a safer month to drop a new IP. Um, mm. That's that's kind of what I was thinking. You know, perhaps uh, summer in general is just, like, safer to, like, drop a new IP, IP as opposed to fall. You know, considering, like, more so, like, you know, late. Like, from late September onwards, right? Um, all right, so 30 years ago... We go back to September of 1992. Uh, on September 1st, Domark released Championship Manager for the Amiga and Atari ST. 
And on September 24th, SNK released Art of Fighting for the Arcades. Uh, Enix released Dragon Quest V in Japan. Cool. So nothing here for me to talk about. Yeah, really, but. nothing here. I think it's going to be like a little bit of whimper going forward. But yeah, Dra- Dragon Quest is a pretty iconic fighting, uh, I'm the fighting, uh, uh, RPG franchise. And um, I feel like I should know the art of fighting. I feel like there's been more sequels to that game. Like mm-hmm. I, that title just seems familiar. Uh, but yeah, SNK doesn't exactly really dominate the fighting game scene. Uh, but yeah. 35 years ago, on September of 1987, Midi Maze for the Atari ST was the first person shooter. Oh wait, it is a first person shooter allowing up to 16 computers to be networked via the built-in MIDI ports for deathmatch style fights. Hmm. Very interesting. 16 players land in a game. Pa- land party back in <laughs> Yeah, land party yeah. back in 1987. <laughs> I like how exactly. it's uh, MIDI maze because it uses MIDI ports. When uh when Lewis was a mere fe- fetus there were people already. <laughs> no, not even that. I was born in eighty-eight. Not even that. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're you're merely sperm. Uh, there. <laughs> there yes, are, there are people already, uh, you know, playing deathmatch FBS, uh, sixteen players and stuff. All right, forty years ago, uh, when oh, on September of nineteen eighty-two, Sega released the maze game Pengo for the arcade, starring a cute penguin. On September 24th, also for the arcade, Namco released Pole Position. I've heard of that one. Uh, one of the first games with stereophonic and quadraphonic sound. Featuring a pseudo-3D third-person rear-view perspective, it became the most popular racing game of its time. You know, when I think of the word Pole Position, I don't think of racing, you know, but teach their own. <laughs> but I, I had no do. idea. Yeah. I actually do because I think I've seen this game before, but also because uh, when I was younger, I used to watch Formula One racing. Uh, it's very popular in Brazil. Mm. Uh, and I think they use that term for something, but I don't remember what it is. Actually, I can't, I couldn't give you like a Google definition of the, of the expression, but it is used for something in racing terms. Um, Maybe it's just like first, second, third. Maybe that's what pole position Some, means. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably what it is. I gotta, I gotta look it up to be sure. Um, 45 years ago, on September of 1977, uh, Atari released the Atari Video Computer System, later known as the VCS or Atari 2600. Oh, a classic. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was uh, released alongside nine launch titles in the USA. Uh, That included Air Sea Battle, Basic Math, Blackjack, Combat, Indy 500, Starship, Street Racer, surround and video olympics i you know i actually get the vibe and i don't know the majority of these games but i get the vibe that that's a a good launch lineup because <laughs> basic math there we go <laughs> well yeah. i mean but you've got, you know, you've got, you've got an interesting yeah. mix of uh yeah. you know what they do like they always say that with the launch lineups you know you gotta hit all the genres you know what yeah. i mean like just based on battle yeah math game t- card game titles alone it sounds like they hit all the <laughs> all the genres right yeah um I also don't know, like, I would have anticipated, because, like, as we keep going back in time, a lot of times you get less and less games, right? Mm-hmm. I would have anticipated that uh, that a game console released 45 years ago would not have had that many <laughs> launch titles. But they did. Nine games. Yeah. You know, nine games at launch. There are yeah. consoles that release, like, today that sometimes don't have, nine, <laughs> yeah. that don't have nine games at launch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So that's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I. Uh, Lewis, any further thoughts? I, I just got to say that um, you know I think was it forty five years ago. I, I don't know which one it falls into. If the if the Atari, Atari twenty six hundred falls into the first generation or the second generation. I want to say if I were to be, I were a betting man, I would say it's probably like the first generation of consoles. Because uh, the NES in like the 1985 era was technically the third generation, so I don't know if that eight-year span is uh, is enough to consider one or two generations. Mm-hmm. But either way, like I rem- I do know that the Atari 2600 specifically was a very big deal, um, and um, it was yeah, the I thing. It. it was the thing that yeah, it's the thing that was popping off, and uh, you know, obviously the 2600. Uh, Atari had very very bad quality controls, and we got to the video game crash of 1981. Um, but, but you know that kind of sort of this is like definitely like a very big landmark for for video game history, yeah. and I just uh, it's so interesting that like, last year, um, I, like I was struggling to get to forty five years and find something, and now it's like the all year long I feel like I've been it's like forty five years ago has been relatively relevant, so to so to speak. Right. Yeah, so, it's kind yeah. of the dawn of uh, of gaming as we know it in a lot of ways. Um, I did look up pole position and the the uh, definition that shows up in Google says the most favorable position at the start of an oh. automobile race, typically on the inside of the front row of competitors. Um, it can also just yeah. mean a leading or dominant position. So it's yeah, um, like uh, in like in Mario Kart, you're always starting off in the last pl- uh, the last place. You know, so right. it's like, ah, fuckers, you know? Yeah, with, with Formula One, what they do is uh, before the actual race, they'll, they'll they'll almost do like a, I don't know what, it, there's an official name for it, but imagine that it's like a practice run on the on the track, like the day before. Um, and then it's not, it's not a race. They're not racing against each other as in like trying to pass each other, but they're just trying to see whoever gets the best times, whoever can get the best, the fastest lap on the track. And then the order of the, the times in which they do the laps is the order that the cars are positioned in the next day. So whoever does the fastest lap starts in first place already um, in, in the, in the first row as the cars get positioned. So that, that, that is what would be called a, a pole position, I guess. Um, so you almost like already start with an advantage that you earn uh, yeah. differently than Mario Kart where <laughs> <laughs> I just automatically place you last or whatever. Yes. But then obviously when you win a race, you're in first place in the next race, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Lewis, that's it for Temple of Time. Uh, wasn't, wasn't the best month, but wasn't the worst either. Uh, either. Yeah. I, I think it was, uh, it was decent. Uh, now let's move over to our topics of discussion. Uh, so our first one here, uh, and it's really probably the most interesting or juicy topic to talk about, in my opinion. Uh, it is uh, we're continuing on the road of the the Activision Blizzard acquisition by Xbox, and there's been a lot of talking back and forth about it, and and just recently we got some more updates with the at some information that came from uh, Xbox, and then Jim Ryan from PlayStation kind of uh, sharing some information to to kind of counter. Uh, counter-argue Xbox's uh, position there. Uh, so we're going to read this here from gamesindustry.biz, Christopher Drink, friend of the show. The title says, PlayStation, Xbox, PlayStation, colon, Xbox's Call of Duty offer was inadequate on many levels. 
Microsoft has promised to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation for three years beyond the current agreement between Activision and Sony, says PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan. In a statement provided to GamesIndustry.biz, Ryan says the offer was inadequate on many levels. The disagreement between the two companies follows Microsoft's offer to buy Call of Duty publisher Activision Blizzard in a deal worth nearly $69 billion. The deal is currently being scrutinized by competition regulators, with the UK regulator uh, concerned over the possibility of Microsoft withholding or degrading Activision Blizzard's content from other consoles or subscription services. Last week, Xbox revealed that it had provided a signed agreement to Sony to guarantee Call of Duty on PlayStation with feature and content parity for at least several more years, beyond Sony's existing contract with Activision. Xbox said this offer goes well beyond typical gaming industry agreements. The current deal between Sony and Activision Blizzard around Call of Duty is believed to cover the next three releases, including this year's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. However, Sony says the offer fails to consider the, app, the impact on PlayStation gamers. Open quote, I hadn't intended to comment on what I understood to be a private business discussion, but I feel the need to set the record straight because Phil Spencer brought this into the public forum, uh, Jim Ryan stated. Open quote, Microsoft has only offered for Call of Duty to remain on PlayStation for three years after the current agreement between Activision and Sony ends. After almost 20 years of Call of Duty on PlayStation, their proposal was inadequate on many levels and failed to take account of the impact on our gamers. We want to guarantee PlayStation gamers continue to have the highest quality Call of Duty experience, and Microsoft's proposal undermines this principle. End quote. For more on the regulatory process over Activision Blizzard acquisition, click here. You can go and look at the link uh, in the show notes if you'd like. Louis, I'm going to catch my breath, drink some water. What do you think? So we did a whole uh, topic for like the first 45 minutes on double XP this week about this very uh, discussion. There were many, many ideas, many thoughts that were said. Um, you know, we, we, it was a little bit of a repeat of what we said last time because we did have this exact same discussion um, before, whenever this, uh, this deal was bought out and stuff like that. And then obviously Phil Spencer was very coy and very careful with his words about, you know, uh, about, you know, without lying, but basically being very vague about whether or not Call of Duty will stay on PlayStation. And, um, you know, the only difference between now and then is that we have these words from Jim Ryan to sort of comment on. And I am not sure if I agree with Jim Ryan. He's saying that that this uh, deal is, you know, not sufficient, you know, like, and mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure because I, I feel like they're being generous enough as it is. Like, you don't, they mm-hmm. don't have to uh, keep on keeping uh, Call of Duty on PlayStation. They're not obligated to. And the fact of the matter is they're sort of, you know, letting you, like letting them eat cake, so to speak. He's like, here, we'll, 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 we'll even do three more years beyond the current, the current contract. So that'll take us to the end of the PS5, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because it does feel like, a, it feels like Jim Ryan is almost trying to add some fuel to the, to the console wars. <laughs> he sounds like a baby, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, like a, th- a baby I, I throwing know. a tantrum. Yeah, I don't know if I would go that far. Like, I... I, I think it's interesting here because I do think there is a, a position to pos- to defend PlayStation here and saying that, well, Phil Spencer is not very clear with his communication, right? Because Phil Spencer, well, he's a, he's a marketing guy. Like, he, he knows how to market shit. I, I don't say he's a marketing guy, by the way, making any kind of assumption about his background because I don't really know his background. But I say it in the sense that he has he has the ability to sell us on his personality, to sell us on Game Pass, to sell us on Xbox. And he 
has su- successfully sold me in the past. I can't speak for other people. And this idea that like, hey, Microsoft is buying Activision, but it's all going to be okay. You know, we're not going to take shit away from any other platforms. We're going to we're going to do this nicely. You know, we want to please all the gamers and yada, yada, yada. Right. Like it comes across like they don't want the bad rap of, you know, buying something and taking it away from other platforms. Um, and I, I think that, you know, it's kind of interesting to see Jim Ryan kind of call out like, hey, it's actually it's not quite like that. You know, and I I'm glad that we get to see the side too. like I'm glad that we get to see that like, hey, wait, like it's not that Phil Spencer is full of shit, but he's intentionally withholding some of the information as well right like the deal really is that call of duty will be on playstation for you know the next three years or three years past the current agreement so potentially a little more um and and it's interesting to see like both sides but i i i ultimately agree with you that you know phil spencer doesn't owe playstation anything right like he xbox doesn't owe playstation anything they don't need to do this so they're already going out of their way to to give him a bone right to be like no listen we'll we we're signing in contract that we will not do this for the next three years um but you know they're also probably playing it's also a strategic move so that they can keep the maybe hope that that can help keep the courts on their sides right and stuff like that so there's i think there's a lot of arguments for both sides here um do do you have anything you'd like to add I was going to say, like, uh, we had a, one of the things that made the PS4 so successful were, were console exclusives. And that they brought that up during Double XP. It's like, hey, yeah, you made your name on, on exclusives. And now it's all of a sudden when the shoe's on the other foot and Xbox is going to potentially have the biggest exclusive to ever exclusive, uh, then all of a sudden Sony's crying foul. Um, mm mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like, I don't know how to say it. It's like we have, Sony has such of the big, the biggest IP, like, you know, from like, you know, the biggest studios, the best studios like Naughty Dog, Insomniac, Sucker Punch, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like you would think that studios like that, that they have under their first party belt can like put out quality content and just sort of let it, you know, let them succeed without it. You know, like yeah. the way I took the quote away, we were like analyzing it uh, during double XP was like, it made it seem like Sony was saying that they cannot compete legitimately without Call of Duty being on their platform. Like as if Call of Duty is like their big system seller without it being, even with, even with, it, not, even with it not being an exclusive, it's still a, a system seller, which I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Um, I agree. I, I actually, I almost feel like I, I could be projecting uh, because Call of Duty does not impact my console purchasing decisions, right? And I know it doesn't Likewise. impact yours. Uh, but I feel like PlayStation would be just fine without Call of Duty. I, yeah. I think that uh, if Nintendo play- is just if Nintendo is just fine without Call of Duty, I'm pretty sure PlayStation will be fine. Yeah, but you never know, right? I also think that uh, the this idea that a that a console can sell solely on exclusives is also I also think that's a myth. I think that it's you need a combination of like. You know, the good first party games with the good third party games with good indies with a good platform, right? Good hardware and stuff like that. I feel like all has to come together, good marketing and et cetera, like for a console to be truly highly successful. And whenever you lose one or two of those pillars, it does get harder. I mean, we saw it with Nintendo during the Wii U era, right? Where they <laughs> they they had the awesome exclusives. Um, but like, you know, even during that era, people forget like 
Nintendo had like a game of the year nominee every year. Right? Like we had, you know, with Smash 4 was a game of the year nominee and Mario 3D World as well. And Breath of the Wild was ultimately a Wii U game, right? We had Splatoon in 2015. Like Shovel Knight came out on the Wii U first and that was an awesome indie. So they did hit on those fronts, but would they, they lost the third party support over time, especially like after the first year or two. Um, and the, the hardware was just not appealing to a lot of people. So, um, anyway, we could talk about that. I, I did just want to add, uh, in regards to the Microsoft situation, Destin, Destin Laguerre, a friend of the show from uh podcast unlocked, uh, tweeted, I asked this a lot and have yet to get a compelling argument against Microsoft purchasing Activision. Why would it be bad? Let's hear your best case because so far it sounds like pretty damn good thing for Activision seeing that they, you know, dot, 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 voted unanimously for it. And I shared, I replied with uh, my opinion on this, which I still, I still maintain my opinion that I, that I'm not for these kinds of acti- uh, acquisitions. I, I just want to say, I hope you ratioed him, but you know, that's probably no, like not wishful thinking. <laughs> I got like two likes. Go, go there, go there and like it, Lewis, so that I can get three. Um, I said, I'm not passionate about it, but my interpretation is it's all good while Microsoft and Xbox uh, are being ran in a way that we consider positive. But companies change, leaders come and go, and if they start pushing toxic stuff in 10 years, we'll all wish their reach wasn't as wide. For example, let's say Microsoft's next CEO pushes for certain types of games over others, stirs studios towards predatory monetization, and fosters a toxic workplace culture. The more studios they own, the more people and games and franchises are affected. Um, so that's really what, like, why, like, in principle, I'm against these big acquisitions or, like, the monopolization or um, consolidation, consolidation of the industry. Yeah. Like, yeah, we, we, you know, Phil Spencer, he's, like, nice guy, Phil Spencer, right? It's all good. We're like, yes, Phil Spencer, buy the whole industry. You know, you're, it's going to be great. <laughs> uh, but... Phil Spencer may change. Like, we don't really know the guy. We only know his, like, public-facing persona. Uh, and we could have... And he could leave, too, and we could have somebody else, like, suddenly, you know, insert CEO here comes oh. in, and he's, Wait. like, anti-single-player games, wants everything to be a life service, everything Battle Royale, you know, microtransactions off, up the ass, Right. And then now there's that many more games that are going to get affected by that. I mean, we saw it with PS, with PlayStation 4, like towards the end of the life cycle, we saw so many executives leaving their posts and retiring and being yeah. like shoved out or whatever. And like they're being like a, what I can only describe as like an internal civil war about philosophy of where to go, the direction you want to take the PlayStation brand. Exactly. And, uh, someone losing out or like a side losing out, you know. Exactly. Um, so if we keep things kind of more like spread out, then, you know, it's less likely that a bad apple could spoil the, the rest, right? Like, cause, cause we could have like, we could have a studio start doing dumb shit, but then at least they're just fucking up themselves as opposed to like these big companies fucking up or whatever. But, you know, like I said, I don't feel super passionate about it, whatever, you know, it's probably going to be okay. It's just, that is my position. Um, onto some other stories here. Um. This one I'm bringing up from The Verge, Tom Warren. Sony makes the PS5 lighter just as the price goes up. Uh, Sony has on, once again quietly launched a revised PS5 model that's more lightweight. 
Press Start, an Australian-based gaming site, reports that both the disc and digital versions of the PS5 are a lot lighter now after new models began appearing in Australia this week. Uh, the new disc model now weighs 3.9 kilograms or 8.6 pounds, a 7% reduction from the 2021 revision, uh, an even bigger 13% reduction from the original model. The digital PS5 has similar weight loss with the 2022 revision now weighing 3.4 kilograms or 7.5 pounds, down 13% from the original. Uh, the new models mean that uh, the disc version of the PS5 now weighs the same as the original digital PS5 model. Press Start isn't sure why both models have been have dropped in weight again. Sony introduced revised PS5 models last year, and a change in heatsink made up for the entire weight reduction. We'll need to wait for someone to tear down the new PS5 models to find out what has actually changed inside. Uh, Sony's new PS5 models come just as the company hikes the price for its consoles outside the U.S. Uh, they're increasing the prices in U UK, Europe, Japan, China, Australia, Mexico, and Canada, as we covered uh, in the last episode. Uh, so yeah, not necessarily much to say here, just interesting yeah. that they're making these hardware revisions, but we also don't know how they're affecting the hardware. What do you think, Liz? I feel like uh, this is an extra news item that you brought up to top news, <laughs> but sure, sure <laughs> I'm <thing>. just kidding. <laughs> I'm just, uh, whatever. Like, uh, I'm sure Austin Evans will probably make a YouTube video breaking it down again like he did last I year. I think he already has, actually. I just don't <laughs> have the, I just don't have the information. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I haven't seen it myself, but... Uh, I, I would believe it. He's so fast when it comes to vid uh, doing videos. But that being said, I'm willing to bet that it's probably the heatsink again. Like, that's, like, the biggest thing in weight is how much copper they put to, like, over-engineer the cooling. And so I'd imagine they have to – they probably did, like, a lot of testing and seeing how much more they, they can cut while still running it to spec and uh, monitoring temperatures and, and real-world use case scenarios. So either way, if they're putting it out there, it's probably safe to use, and it's probably like not a big deal that you have one model over the other. Um, you know, my PS5 is really heavy as fuck, and if I ever get to the day where like you know I'm gonna start traveling with it, because it's like it took me towards the end of the life cycle before I started traveling with my PS4, and I wonder if I'm gonna do the same where I'll start putting it in my backpack. But either way, I'm sure like you know reducing some weight, having a later model will probably be more be more beneficial to that experience i bet you you probably even have like a lighter ps5 than me dan yeah i was uh, actually thinking about that as i uh i know that my model was the one that was part of the horizon forbidden west bundle um so i i would have expected it to be the like last year's revision yeah um yeah um so yeah that, all that being said um it, it just it's interesting how like they're the the this is like very bad optics because you're having a situation where you're you're reducing the price to manufacture the thing but you're also raising the price so yeah interesting fair enough uh louis i'm gonna do the following for the next two stories i'm gonna read both of them and then i'm gonna give you time to comment all right because they're right. they're similar and i think that we'll can uh you can pull that off uh so first from chris collian up at vgc Sony and Tencent are buying 30% of Elden Ring Studio from Software. From Software says the investment may help it publish games globally. Elden Ring Studio from Software has announced that it's selling shares to Sony and Tencent, which will result in them owning a combined 30% of the company. In an official note published by From Software's parent company, Kadokawa Corporation, it was announced that new shares will be issued to Six Joy Hong Kong, a subsidiary of Tencent, and Sony Interactive Entertainment. 
Uh, according to the document, once the shares have been uh, issued, Sixjoy will Sixjoy will own 16% of From Software, and Sony will own 14%. With Kadokawa continuing to own the remaining 69.66%. Uh, in the notice, Kadokawa explains that it recognizes the enhancement of capabilities for the creation, development, and deployment of game IP as one of the group's highest priorities. As such, it decided to allow From Software to arrange a third-party allotment to Sixjoy and Sony in order to gain extra funding that may help it publish its own games globally. Uh, now onto this other one, also somewhat related to Chinese companies and Sony in a, in a way, in an indirect way, uh, from GamesBeat uh, or VentureBeat, NetEase has acquired Detroit Become Human maker Quantic Dream. Uh, this was reported by Dean Takahashi here. Chinese game publisher and internet firm NetEase has agreed to acquire Quantic Dream, the maker of narrative games such as Detroit Become Human, Beyond Two Souls, and Heavy Rain. The purchase price was not disclosed. The deal is a follow-up to a minority investment that NetEase made in Quantic Dream in 2019. NetEase Games, the division of NetEase Incorporated, has acquired Paris-based Quantic Dream, one of the prominent independent video game developers. It specializes in making games where you have to make the right choices under heavy dramatic and emotional pressure or lose your loved ones. It's an interesting way to summarize it. Uh, they will become NetEase Games' first studio in Europe, representing an important step in fulfilling NetEase's vision to go global and high-end. Quantic Dream has more than 250 people working for it. I asked why the founders decided to sell. Uh, Co-CEO David Cage said in an inclusive, uh, exclusive email to GameSpeed, open quote, we had acquisition dis discussions on several occasions during the past 25 years, but as non-guaranteed or editorial independence, we decided to pass on these opportunities and continue as an independent studio. Our industry is undergoing a profound mutation through a wave of acquisitions of studios and publishers. For studios, this represents a paradigm shift, shift as our central position in the industry and our contribution to the value chain are now more correctly valued. Consequently, in the recent past, we received several offers meeting our expectations. So that, that tends to indicate that they will uh, remain creatively free uh, to operate how they want to operate. But uh, while you know, we're just talking about Microsoft and, and, and the Activision uh, acquisition again, and then here's two other, like one acquisition story and one just kind of more like partial acquisition or investment story. Uh, what do you want to comment on in regards to these, Lewis? I feel like you made a prediction earlier in a predictions episode where it's like all we're going to be talking about is acquisitions left and right. And then you're like, your prediction is coming true. <laughs> with how many, with how many, like every I know. week it's like a, or every episode is a new acquisition discussion. Uh, so yeah, I, for sure. Uh, I like how even like it's gotten so meta that even like the Quantic Dream has to comment like yeah our industry is getting uh, um, acquisitions left and right and stuff like that. I, I do mm -hmm. appreciate it that even like they held out like they were independent on purpose because they were they wanted to you know have um, you know independence autonomy editorial control and all that stuff and I feel like that's interesting that they decided that they managed to pull that off and get that in writing. But also like it's from China man like I don't know man like what. <laughs> can't, you can't get your money in-house like in within the eu you know so um. yeah i mean it's uh it's the globalized uh, world that that we live that we live in i i have heard that NetEase is kind of like a better uh company to be under uh, as opposed to tencent um like they're they're just a little bit more hands-off 
Um, I know that with the companies that have been acquired by Tencent that there's been a lot of controversy where, you know, they they do certain things in their in their games and then end up having to take off, you know, any mention of Hong Kong or stuff like that because not cool with uh with China. Um, I haven't seen as many stories like that related to NetEase. Um, but yeah, it is interesting with uh, Quantic Dream. They did have that three-year... It was not three-year... They had like a three-game thing going on with PlayStation, right? With Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, Detro- Detroit, all uh, published... I think they were all published by PlayStation, all PlayStation exclusive. Uh, eventually, they got brought over to PC and stuff. Um, and now, the next game that they're working on, which I think has been announced, I think is a Star Wars. Star Wars, like a, yeah. Yeah, game that that's uh, likely going to be multi-platform, and um, probably all of their games moving forward are going to be multi-platform. Now they're they're under net ease, so that's kind of an interesting repercussion there. Yeah, I don't I don't have much to add to that. And uh, with with Sony investing in from software, here, here's what I think is interesting about this. Um, we saw Sony make a few acquisitions recently. You know, they got Bungie, and they're getting some other smaller studios and stuff. Um, we have one, one on extra news that we're going to hit up, uh, but they're also doing these partial, like, you know, like, in, in, you know, big investments really, because, you know, buying, um, buying more than, you know, 10% of a, of a big company, it's probably not cheap either. Uh, they did it with, uh, with Epic, uh, a while back, right? I don't know if you remember that they bought, you know, a minority stake in, in Epic mm-hmm. and, and now they're buying a minority stake on, from software, which, uh, you know, is strongly associated with the PlayStation brand, I'd argue. You know, we have Bloodborne as a, a game that's exclusive and Demon Souls as well. But then you also got Sekiro, which came out everywhere. Elden Ring, which came out everywhere. Um, do you think there's like a pattern here? Like what, like what is Sony up to? Like, why are they doing this? Is it, is it just, is it just so that they can make some money out of these game sales, <laughs> you know, or, or, uh, um, profit yeah, I'm not, sharing or whatever or what i'm not sure like I, i'm trying to think because if you're you're basically it's capital like they're they're getting money so that they can their studios can be healthy and they can you know you know hire more staff and take on bigger projects and do that stuff but right i mean i guess in the and you do get kickback i guess from profit sharing and stuff like that so that makes sense but like i wonder if there's a situation where like if they take their money then they're almost sort of obligated to basically be like a second party studio to them um although i'm not sure by the how the epic situation works because epic doesn't exactly like yeah i don't know yeah they're not, they're not exactly they're more trying to i guess epic feels like they're trying to focus more on their pc launcher than they are on like making games for like xbox and playstation yeah um, well epic is is more at this point epic i think has has probably kind of three major branches to their strategy uh and i I would actually argue that the pc launcher is probably the the smaller of the three branches because the other two are fortnite of course and everything that involves that um and then the other one is unreal engine right which Uh, they license out to a million other studios and stuff and probably make a lot of money out of uh in licensing fees and stuff so i wonder when people theorize when when Sony bought the stake in Epic, if if it had something to do with Unreal, like um, maybe like waiving certain you know fees with Unreal for you know making it easier to um, I don't know like having like a stronger influence or point of communication and stuff within the the people that work on the engine. Uh, if their studios are working on the engine or whatever, I don't know. There were some theories about that. Uh, this one like. I definitely see what's in it from for from software. I just don't really know what's in it for 
for Sony necessarily. Um, but maybe time will tell. It could also be a precursor to them wanting to, you know, do a takeover of the, of the company eventually, right? Like they we just saw that with buy, NetEase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like they buy this now, and then later they buy some more. You know, once it becomes available and stuff. And um, I don't know. Interesting. All right, Louis, if you don't have any more to say there, um, the final thing we got here is to check this out. I don't know if you watch this. You know, if you're <laughs> listening, please go and uh, pull up the, the show notes. There is a uh, a mod. Now, this is, this is the best thing about all these uh, PlayStation games coming to PC is, is the mods. We, uh, we, we did a check this out for a, like a Homer Simpson mod on, on God of War a while back. And this one is just is just equally as 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 a goofy, uh, Kermit the Frog as Spider Man, uh, <laughs> in the in the Spider Man remastered game on on PC, and and it's just it's just funny. I don't I don't know what else to say. Just you just got to go see it. You know the Spider Man like when he's like perched up on like light posts and stuff like that. It's kind of like a frog, and he's like <laughs> perfectly like yeah with the knees and everything. Um, yeah, it just sort of works. Like the animations, you know, yeah. the animations just all kind of work. Surprisingly, yeah. <laughs> I kind of wish that the mod just took it a little step further up because, like, the God of War mod on PC, they had like uh, a sound alike doing the Homer Simpson voice. You know, like mm-hmm. if you if we'd have done like those Spider Man dialogue, but in a in a Kermit the Frog like, in a Kermit the Frog kind of voice, you know, like I, I can't. <laughs> I, that would have been really nice. Like that would have just taken it over the top. Yes, agree, agreed. Uh, anyway, you can go and check that out if you like. Uh, now let's go over the extra news here. Uh, we got twelve items and a roundup. Number one, Halo Infinite's co-op campaign is officially delayed to November eighth when the game's winter update period begins in lieu of Season 3 of Multiplayer. Number 2. Xbox Elite Series 2 controller now comes in white, starting at $129.99. Number 3. Sony has acquired mobile games developer Savage Game Studios as part of a major push into mobile gaming, consistent with recent efforts to reach PC gamers with its AAA intellectual properties. Number four, Sony will release new gray camo versions of the DualSense wireless controller, PS5 console covers, and Pulse 3D wireless headsets this fall. Number five, Dragalia Lost, Nintendo's original RPG for mobile devices, is shutting down for good on November 30th. Number six, the Pokemon company is seeking $72 million in damages with a copyright infringement lawsuit against multiple Chinese companies, according to the South China Morning Post. Uh, That is for, you know... A random uh, copycats of uh, Pokemon Go and stuff. Uh, number seven, Nintendo announced a special edition Nintendo Switch for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Number eight, uh, EA has officially revealed Ridgeline Games, the new Battlefield studio being led by Halo co-creator Marcos Leto. Number nine, Capcom has confirmed the lineup for its Tokyo Game Show online presentation, Street Fighter VI, Monster Hunter, Resident Evil, Mega Man, and Exo Primal. Number ten, Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal have officially assumed control of the Tomb Raider and Deus Ex franchises respectively from their previous owner and former parent company Square Enix. Uh, that is, of course, following uh, their acquisition by the Embracer Group. Number 11, Francis Lawrence uh, from The Hunger Games Catch and Fire, I Am Legend, and Slumberland 
has joined to direct the live-action Bioshock film adaptation with Michael Green from Logan, Blade Runner 2049, and Death on the Nile uh, being the writer for the screenplay. Number 12, Netflix has opted not to order a second season of the Resident Evil show. Uh, it's action horror series loosely based on the popular video game franchise. I don't think... I was going to say those bastards, but I don't think there was no love lost. People didn't like uh, the Resident <laughs> Evil show on Netflix. Yeah, it didn't seem like people cared for that. Uh, for a roundup, uh, Yacht Club Games' new spinoff, Shovel Knight Dig, releases on September 23rd for PC, Switch, and iOS. Hold up, hold up, hold up. That game got announced like five years ago, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, how long ago, but yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a bit. Um, okay. I wonder if it's been on early access or something on PC. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 first major DLC called the Phantom Liberty expansion is coming in 2023. Uh, the next Assassin's Creed game is confirmed to be called Assassin's Creed Mirage. More information will be unveiled soon in a Ubisoft Direct. Uh, and Hangar 13 announced that they're developing a new Mafia game. Uh, Lewis, anything you want to comment on? Um, you know, I'm surprised that, like, Square Enix lost out their control of the, the IP for Tomb Raider and Deus Ex. You would think that Square Enix would be like, no, fuck you, <laughs> you know? Uh, yep. I don't know. I'm, I wonder how they managed to pull that off. But, um, you know, at least... So I'm confused by that story, by the way, because the original story was Embracer Group is buying the studios and the IP. And then now this story frames it as like, oh, the studios are keeping the IP. So I think that's like an interesting thing. like. Um, like if Crystal Dynamics were to split ways from the Embracer group 10 years from now, who, who has Tomb Raider? Is it Crystal or is it the Embracer group? So that's the part that I'm a little confused about, but regardless, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be interesting where it's like, even if Crystal Dynamics doesn't make the next Tomb Raider game that like their logo has to be on there because it's like, you know, licensed by Crystal Dynamics or something like that. That'd be interesting. Yeah. They have to make it hella fucking obvious where it's like, no, 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 it's ours. You know? Right. Um, you know, and also like looking at these uh these special edition Nintendo Switches are so cool and awesome, but I'll never own them, you know. I I, I just <laughs> I have never owned a special edition console in my life, like ever. Um and this is just like a situation where it's like, man, if I had infinite money, I would totally like be like having like twenty switches with each different box and stuff like that. And right. Um You know what's funny? I always see the designs for these special editions and more often than not, I think they're okay, right? They're not <laughs> that great. This one is actually pretty cool. I uh you know, I uh I have an original Switch model from twenty seventeen. And, uh, you know, the OLED wasn't enough to justify an upgrade for me, but, um, it, it, I do run into that situation where Leah and I both share the same Switch, and sometimes it feels like it would be nice to have two, so. I'm surprised you don't. Um, just saying, like, it just with, a lot of people to consider the Switch more of a handheld than a console, so it's like, yes, you would basically want to have individualized yourselves and, you know, uh, play Animal Crossing on two Switches and stuff, you know? I, I guess it feels a little wasteful because, like, to be honest, I play on my Switch very rarely. So, and uh, I don't know if I would necessarily play it more if we had a if we had another one because it's kind of like this. I, every generation, I kind of have a primary console that I that I play on, or every every particular year, um, at least. And and for the past few years, it has been the Xbox Series X. Um, now that I got the PS5, the PS5 may may take that crown over with some of the new games that are coming out on it and stuff. Um, 
anyway, that's that's a tangent. So I don't know. Maybe. Also, uh, Fame said it earlier. Uh, he said that Halo Infinite should have came out on holiday this year. <laughs> it should have launched then. And uh, yeah, it just kind of sucks that like it was supposed to come out in like November 2020 and then it didn't. And then it came out last November or last December. I can't remember which which month, but I think it was December. And even then, people are still saying that it's undercooked. And uh, it it would have been interesting to see if the game were to have launched here this holiday and it had a lot more content because... It's my understanding that there ha- the season contents are very slow to come out and that it's almost kind of feeling like you're you're launching a live service game but without any live updates, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, it sucks. It sucks to to have being a Halo player right now. Yeah, I I, w- I would argue though that it's like it's it's almost like easy for us to say that now, but the call must have been like I don't I don't envy the the people that made that had to make those calls back in 2020 and then 2021. You know what I mean? Like when Halo Infinite was first delayed out of 2020, a lot of people at first anticipated that it was not going to be that big a delay, right? Like, because usually you see, you know, three months, six months delay, yeah. stuff like that, yeah. right? And yeah. uh, when they announced that it was like a full year delay, it was already like, holy shit, like that's a, that's a big delay. And I, I just, they would have taken so much crap if they did it again, <laughs> you know, like for like another full year. I feel like, ooh, uh, I don't we, know. We we yeah. all want to see that documentary of the making of or seeing that game being yeah. played. It had it. We want to see that gameplay if it had it launched on twenty twenty in November twenty twenty. Exactly. Exactly. It's uh, yeah. It's uh, we we definitely know for sure that they couldn't have launched in. Uh, in 2020 now i'll I'll say i'll give him i'll give you that um so the only other things i want to say here uh really good pedigree um around the bioshock film so i think that actually seems that's one that i think uh seems pretty exciting i think there's good uh there's good potential there um i wonder if we're gonna get a release date for street fighter 6 out of the tokyo game show uh we'll get it at evo but you know they're they're gonna have to give it eventually (laughs) Um, uh, game awards. I'm gonna give a game awards. Sure, sure. I could see that too. And uh, rest in peace, Dragalia Lost. Another one of uh, Nintendo's mobile games that's gonna be lost to time. That we one actually made them a lot of. That one actually made them a lot of money, though. Surprisingly, for a bit. Yeah, surprisingly, for sure. Um, and that that's that's it for me. Um, I'm ready to give the show over to you, Lewis. All right, here we go. It is out this week, and I finally get an interesting uh, segment because it feels like every time I do out this week, it's always like the driest, and now I actually <laughs> have some pretty interesting blurbs, and uh, we're going to start things off with the Epic Game Store, and so let's see here. Let's see what's uh, free for the for the week here. It says here that 100 Days is a winemaking simulator it is going to be for free for the week. And then there's a Realm, Re, uh, Realm Royale Reforged uh, Epic Launch Bundle, which is, I guess, it's a free-to-play game. You get a bundle, extra cosmetic shit. Cool, get that. Uh, next week, allegedly, free game of the weeks is going to be Spirit of the North and the Captain. Let's see here. 
Let's. I'm gonna. I want to see what the spirit of the North is about. I'm gonna read this. Yeah, the here. the key art made me think of Ghost of Tsushima, like the <laughs> the fox stands and stuff in Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this, uh, this, yeah, yeah, that, that thumbnail is pretty fire. Uh, Spirit of the North is a single-player third-person adventure game inspired by the breathtaking and mysterious landscape of Iceland. Play as an ordinary red fox whose story becomes entwined with the Guardians of the Northern Lights, a female spirit fox. You know, I'm watching this trailer and uh, this gameplay footage. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, dope. Not too shabby. Um... Yeah, that's going to be the free games for Epic Games, and uh, definitely check it out. It looks like there's some kind of Fortnite bundle going on here. Yeah, whatever. Next is the Game Pass updates. And uh, I I usually don't read everything, like, you know, word for word. I just sort of hit on things. But the first thing that strikes, that strikes out to me is that Disney's Dreamlight Valley is coming to cloud console and PC uh, Game Pass. And that was, like, the big, like... Animal Crossing Disney crossover thing going on. Yes, I remember. And uh, good, good for them, I guess. Um, and then I see DC uh, League of Super Pets, uh, the Adventures of Crypto and and Ace for cloud console and PC. It feels like it's a couple of months too late because that movie came out in the summer or earlier this summer. Uh, and then I see you suck at parking, and I see a Metal Hell Hellsinger. Um, yeah, those are like the main ones I see. Is there any other shout-outs that you want to give? Nope, that's good. All right. And as far as what's leaving, I see that on September 15th, uh, not going to read everything out. I'm just going to shout-out the bigger ones. I see A Plague Tale Innocence uh, leaving Cloud Console and PC. That that sucks. I remember that er launching earlier this year when we read the blurb. I see Final Fantasy. I'm going to say I'm gonna, I, don't, I don't know my Roman, Roman numerals, but I'm going to assume that that's 13 for cloud, uh, console and PC. And then I see the Artful Escape for Cloud Console and PC. Anything else that we're losing? Um, no, those are the those are the main ones that I that I recognize. I yeah. I feel like we're we got to a we got to a point with Game Pass where a lot of uh, a lot of months are breaking even. Yeah. <laughs> in a way, like I feel like we're getting some interesting new stuff, but then also losing good stuff. So. Not as a, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't. I don't know if Game Pass is as as good a service at this point as it was like at this time last year, for instance. Yeah, fair enough. All right, we'll stick. We'll we'll stick with the Xbox for now. Here, let's go with Games with Gold because I want to hit on. I want to end on a high note when it comes to these free games because <laughs> Xbox Game with Gold has always been sus. But you know what? There's one good game that's on here that's like one of those kind of like games, uh, ready, press, play, best games of all time kind of situations. Uh, but for Games of Gold for this month in September, we have uh, Gods Will Fall from September 1st to the 30th and Double Kick Heroes from the 16th to October 15th. Uh, so those are your Xbox One games. As far as your 360 games, we got Thrillville for the September 1st to the 15th. And then... The headliner, which is a <laughs> the 360 game being the headliner, uh, Portal 2 from September 16th to September 30th. Uh, and so, yeah. I, I think they also announced, by the way, that uh, Portal 2 will be the last Xbox 360 game uh, being given out uh, with uh, Games with Gold. So they really they wanted to uh, end it on a on a high note. And obviously, <laughs> shout out, you know, I love Portal 2. Uh, moving forward, I think it's going to be only uh, Xbox One. Yeah, those bastards, games. because I forgot that we did cover that, but I didn't realize it's already here, like the end of 
360 yep. games with gold. Those bastards. Um, but yeah, okay, you know what? At least they ended on a high note. I could have, I would have liked it if they ended with like two bangers. And actually, by the way, <laughs> Thrillville is an actual OG Xbox. It's not even a 360 game. It's an OG Xbox game. Yes. So yeah, I didn't realize that until just now. Um, as far as what's going on with PlayStation, well, PlayStation is actually having a pretty uh, badass month here. Um, in my opinion, the, uh, the there's a PS4 game, which is actually the headliner. Um, and it's not even the one that they gave the headliner banner to. Uh, for me, it's Grand, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus is like the, what my, I consider the headliner. It's a fighting game. It's made the evil roster. Apparently, it's good. And uh, Arc System Works is like the developer and they also made dragon ball fighters so if i know anything about dragon ball fighters then i know that arc system works uh, fighting games engine slash style is going to probably be good so grand blue versus is probably going to be your uh, like the big game that you should check out and then as far as everything else uh they gave the big banner for need for speed heat which whatever i don't i don't really <laughs> like the fact that they gave it they said nfs because like I didn't really register it until I said it. Need Need for Speed, but whatever. Who cares? Need for Speed. Yeah, sure. And then the PS5 game is something called Toem: A Photo Adventure. Uh, I'm before we with that one, uh, it's a it's an indie gem, uh, and it actually looks uh, pretty neat. Hmm. I was gonna say before we as before we move on to the lineup, did you want to comment on uh, on the actual oh. PS Plus uh, uh, of it all? Yes. Um. I uh. I I would argue that this is not. Um, this is a niche month. That's what it is. It's like if you're if you're into particular niches, like either like the fighting game niche or the racing game niche or the indie game niche, <laughs> you got something cool. You got something cool this month. But I I actually think a lot of gamers are not in those niches and for those like for those gamers, I think this would be a disappointing this would be a disappointing month. But, you know, they got they got something for us at least. And uh that's what matters. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, as far as the game catalog itself, the PlayStation Plus, uh, like premium and extra tiers, are getting some pretty dope ass additions to the catalog. The big headliner being Deathloop, which I gave a nine out of ten to for level one gaming. It's definitely uh, um, a a good game, and uh, also I'm just surprised though because now it's September and. Why haven't we been getting trailers for like Death Loop on on Game Pass or Death Loop coming on Xbox? I feel like the year exclusivity should have should have been like you know wounded down by now. Um, so I wonder I, what I wonder if they that. just want to surprise us with like a you know just immediate like shadow release, drop. Like hell no. Yeah, shadow drop. It's on Game Pass. I don't know because I I almost feel like uh, it's it's weird for Microsoft to bring attention to this game because it's almost like. It's almost like you're bringing attention to your own failure in this weird way. Like, oh yeah, like you know this awesome this game that PlayStation fans have had for the last year. Now you can play it. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how much of like a marketing, uh, like a, a, a. It's hard to get the right marketing angle with it. So I do think they're gonna shadow drop it. Actually, I think it's just gonna be like. Like, we're going to read the Game Pass updates next month, and it's just going to be there. No, that just seems so wrong. Like, it's a, it should be like a game that, you know, you would hope that you get some dollar sales out of it for for non-Game Pass owners. You want to, you know, prop it up mm-hmm. like it's a release. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I don't know. It just seems really, really, really weird to shadow drop a game of this caliber. Um, but yeah, as far as everything else, we got Assassin's Creed Origins, Watch Dogs 2, Dragon Ball, Xenoverse 2. 
Um, and then what else? There, there was a, something else that caught my attention here. I, oh. I do want to give sh- shout outs. Uh, Spirit Fair is on it now. And uh, Shikari, A Colorful Tale is also a really cool little indie game with music by Lena Rain, who is the composer of the game Celeste. Um, so, yeah, really lots of good shit. Yeah, uh, actually, I th- this is a be- this is a better month for PS Plus uh, premium than it is for Game Pass. Yes, so. actually, you're right. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I see Alex Kidd and Miracle World DX. I see uh, Rayman Legends, which is definitely one of those best games of all times kind of category, which I put on the list. Um, you know, obviously definitive on the Wii U, but PS4 version is still good. Uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the game. I want to own that game. And... Uh, you know, maybe I'll actually buy it on the Nintendo Switch, but then I can also play it here on the PlayStation, you know. So I, this yeah. is a really good stuff. And then, of course, you got your classics. You got Siphon Filter 2, Sly Collection. Uh, I see, what else? What else? Hmm, some Sly Cooper games. What? Uh, oh, I guess that's it. Interesting. I, I just scrolled down. I went to the August uh, updates. But yeah, so not too bad. Not too shabby. Um, definitely. Uh, now that now that PlayStation has its own essentially its own Game Pass, now we can finally you know have things in more parity because we've been talking about these things and it's been a situation where like man, Game Pass is like so totally like beating out and winning out, but now it's like yeah. it's tit for tat. You know, it's funny. I uh, I often talk about how I will go and cancel uh, you know streaming services when I'm not using them too much, and then I'll I'll just sign back up when there's something new and interesting uh that i want to see and now i have both game pass and the ps plus premium and i am using ps plus premium right now because i I just play ghost of tsushima director scott on it i am going to play stray on it uh but i haven't played anything on game pass in a bit so i'm almost wondering (laughs) after seeing these updates i'm like "Mm, should i go and cancel game pass i can always subscribe it again you know get it again in the future uh and save some money there but anyway that's I just wanted to put that into the ether because I feel like that means something. Yeah. You know, like, there, there's a shift here. Yeah. All right. Um, as far as the actual new releases, we're going to be talking about from September 9th to the September 22nd. Uh, no blurb on this one, but we don't need one because why Why would you? But NBA 2K23 drops on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on the 9th. Um, also on the 9th, we got Splatoon 3 for the Switch. It says, ink up the Splatlands in the next Splatoon game. Enter the Splatla- Splatlands, a sun-scorched desert inhabited by battle-hardened Inklings and Octolings. Splatsville, the city of chaos, is the adrenaline-fueled heart of, the de- of this dusty wasteland. Even in this desolate environment, turf wars reign supreme and battle- battles rage in a new stage located in the surrounding wilds. Dynamic new moves help... These fighters dodge attacks and cover more ground, along with a new bow-shaped weapon to sling ink. Join Agent 3 in a fight against the unruly um, Octarians in the story mode. Discover the secrets of uh, Alterna, the fuzzy ooze, and how they connect to the mode's theme, Return of the Mammalians. Team up and fend off waves of dangerous uh, Salmonid bosses in the next iteration of Salmon Run, a co-op mode with fresh new features um yeah i think i saw some reviews um you, you know what's kind of interesting is like splatoon from between splatoon to, uh, to two and a three uh everyone's been calling it like iterations it's not like completely mm-hmm. like redoing the formula so it's reviewed... I feel like especially one to two by the way because of like how close it was like yeah 
Yeah, Splatoon 1.5, as they call it. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> uh, so there's like these, uh, when you like landed the formula so right on the first game, like how do you, you can't really revolutionize it. You can only just iterate on it. And uh, um, this game is kind of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, which is kind of interesting because like the very first trailer with it being like this desert thing, I remember thinking, I was like, oh my God, this seems like they're going to completely revamp it. And like, nope, no, mm-hmm. I'm just going to iterate on it. Um, but yeah. Splatoon 3, definitely going to be just calling it now pick of the week for week one because you know they're going to, Nintendo's going to support it with so many Splatfests and stuff and content <laughs> drops. True. Uh, next up, Little Morph, uh, Little Morpheus, I was thinking Little Morpheus, Little Orpheus, PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on the 13th. Also on the 13th, we got Scrooge uh, Bringer on iOS and Android. Uh, 13 for the Switch on the on September 13th. Interesting. Uh, you suck at parking for Xbox Series, Xbox One, PC on the 14th, which we talked about on our Game Pass update. On the 15th, uh, these next several games are going to be on the 15th. We got Baron Breakfast for the Switch. Baron Breakfast is a laid-back management adventure game where you play as a well-meaning bear trying to run a B&B in the woods. I feel like I've seen this on an indie presentation. Um, yes, it was, it was very cute, uh, mm. which is why I wanted to spotlight it. Hank and his friends find an abandoned sh- abandoned shack and equip it with their teenage uh, ingenuity, turn it into a money-making bed and breakfast scheme for unsuspecting tourists. As your business expands, so do the mysteries of the forest, and Hank soon soon finds himself uncovering a plot deeper than the wilderness itself. Well, that took a left <laughs> turn. Uh, we got Metal Hellsinger for PS5, Xbox Series, and PC. I uh, see the Game Pass update. Outer Wilds for PS5, Xbox uh, Series. We got Splitgate for X, uh, PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Splitgate is a free-to-play, fast-paced multiplayer shooter that features player-controlled portals. The sci-fi shooter takes the FPS genre to a new dimension with, with its portal mechanics, delivering high-flying, multi-dimensional combat, evoking memories of the most revered shooters of the past two decades. Splitgate embraces the classic and familiar, to, uh, familiar feel of close-quarters combat while adding a unique twist. Did they just make Portal, but with like a shooter? <laughs> you know, like that's just what it seems like to me. But you know, whatever. Uh, we'll, I'm sure you'll comment on it later. Uh, next up, we got Wayward Strand for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. And those are all the September 15th games. Next up on September 17th, we got Return to Monkey Island for the Switch and PC. I remember that being like a big. Uh, I think they, the game already came out, didn't it? For the Xbox. I don't know. Whatever. Um, September 20th, we got Hard Space, uh, Shipbreaker for PS5, Xbox Series, Jack Move for PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, and Solstice for PS5, Xbox Series, and PC. All those were September 20th. On September 21st, we got Gundam Evolution for PC, and rounding out the rest of the list is September 22nd. We got No Place for Bravery for Switch and PC, Serial Cleaners for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC, Session, Skate Sim, PS5, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Interesting that there's no series on that one. Uh, Slime Rancher 2 for Xbox Series and PC. And finally, the Diofield Chronicle for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. It says here, 
The era of myths gives way to an era of great turmoil. The world of men is mired in an age of war which rages for years on end. A band of elite mercenaries called, calling themselves Blue Fox arise amidst the flames and chaos, their fates and valiant deeds to be sung in the ages yet to come. But when, is, when all is said and done, will the name Blue Fox come to signify hope or darkest tragedy? Now... Dan, I've seen the the thumbnail. The when I looked at the thumbnail, I was thinking like uh, Octopath Traveler and stuff like that, like that HD two D style. But then I saw yep. the screenshots, and it's like full on like, um, what's that word? What's that three DS game? Um, um, Fire Emblem. No, 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 not Fire Emblem. I'm talking about the Square Enix one. Um, oh, Bravely Default. Yeah, yeah, Bravely like Default looking ass game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what platform? Uh... It's coming out on the Switch. This this is a game that uh, I feel like uh, I feel like I should like get it for Leah or something because I she uh, she just loves Fire Emblem Three Houses uh, so much. It's like on her like third playthrough of it right now, and and you see this game and like the intro to it, like on the trailer, just when they're going through the world and like painting over the map and talking about like you know, the, the Roland Alliance and the, the kingdom of Elatan and stuff like that. It really gets into that kind of stuff. Um, it just reminds me a lot of that, but it's also, it has like different, like different combat mechanics and stuff. It looks really good. Um, it's, it's one of those things where I, I, I sometimes worry that Square Enix has been putting out too much of these, (laughs) too many of these JRPGs, um, like too close together and stuff. But, um, but this one is definitely uh, on on my radar, um, and and being a tactics tactics uh, game as well, and with that kind of style, I I, I think Leo would probably be into it. Uh, and and Splitgate, it's uh, I I've heard of this one. It, it's in some some people I know's radar and stuff, and it uh, it looks kind of neat. I I doubt I'll play it, but it's like you know it, it's cool to to see that mix, like you said, of like the you know multiplayer FPS with the you know portal mechanics and and whatnot. Um, so yeah, not they're not huge releases, but you know, new, interesting IP that I thought was worth uh highlighting. Okay, yeah. Uh I don't think there's a week two game of the game of the week, but yeah, Splatoon three sort of wins it out for me. Yeah, I'll I'll give it to Diofield Chronicle in week two, because I it it really is something that has caught my interest. Okay. Alright, I'll uh I'll give the show back to you here in just a sec. All right, so it is time for the Ready Press Play list of best games of all time. We're, we now have 29 games in the list. It is my turn to add an extra one and also do a move, do a list move. Uh, so I think this is not going to take too long, Lewis. I'm going to get it out of the way. I'm adding a game that uh, I played a lot. Uh, and I want to bring it to the list because it, it, it meant something in my life for a few years, but not at all for you, and that's League of Legends. <laughs> uh, similar to or addition of Fortnite, I think League of Legends has had a uh, kind of like a similar uh, impact in, uh, in the industry. It, it pretty much spawned a whole new genre of, of games that for a few years was copied by every company imaginable. Uh, and then it turned out that uh, other than uh, Dota 2, nothing else could really, you know, stand up to par with uh, with League uh, and everything else fell by the wayside. But, you know, over 10 years later, 13 years later, the game is still going strong. It, it has a it has a huge esports scene. I, I, 
I would argue that you know league is kind of one of the precursors to uh to the esports craze that uh that we see nowadays. I I know that you know street fighter tournaments have been around forever and stuff, but like the first time I saw like a big esports event in like a like a huge like arena and stuff and and with like huge uh high prizes and shit it was uh it was with league of legends um sure starcraft might have done that before um and and it is it is up there as one of the games that i probably put the most amount of hours in and and here's the thing with league is that i would argue that it actually is a good game uh it's not just one of those things where it's like oh it's really popular and you know and we're putting it in here out of uh you know respect for uh for its popularity no i think it's popular for a reason i think there's a lot of depth to the gameplay uh into the strategy of the game there's it's you know it's one of those things where you don't quite get it at first and nobody that starts playing the game gets it until you've played it for like a hundred hours and then you kind of get it (laughs) only a hundred hours okay yes so for that reason uh, because I see it as the least accessible game in this list, I'm gonna leave it at number thirty at the bottom. What's of the, list. the fuck? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> because I recognize that it is a game that it is hard to recommend to people when you have to put so much time into it to even get like kind of get its best or just get it (laughs) yeah yeah out of it or even just get it right yeah uh it relies a lot on having a good team that you can play with and like can carry you through the game i feel about this game what a lot of people say uh with uh monster hunter and stuff like that where it's like it's very obtuse to new players uh i also haven't played it in years so maybe they gotten better uh at that recently um but yeah i do think it's like it's one of like like it's one of the quintessential games in modern history, really. Like when you think about, you know, the last twenty years, it's Fortnite, it's Minecraft, you know, and and it's it's League. It's got to be up there. Um, it, it has this like super iconic power. It has like there's now like TV shows based on it. And there's <laughs> yeah. new games being spun off from it and stuff. So. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to bring it in the list, but I also, I don't want to argue for anything other than, <laughs> other than last place at this point. I just wanted to give it the shout, but I recognize it's just not, it's not a game that I can recommend to everybody. And, and, and it's a game that is not very accessible and that you need to put up with a lot of like, like a steep learning curve to really get into it. I didn't um, think we'd ever see the day where Mario Power Tennis is not in last place, but you know, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you managed to pull it off. Yes. You know, uh, you I mean, know unless with, yeah, Go for unless it. you wanted to argue me in it. <laughs> no, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with it. I have not played League at all, like at all. I've seen it. I've seen what it looks like. I know. I well, the first time I've ever heard of esports is actually because of League, by the way. So like, yeah, I, I know, same. and and I'm gonna watch that Netflix show at some point. And also, Imagine Dragons made a cool song. You know what I mean? Like, so. <laughs> that being said, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, like, the, I, I wouldn't. Knowing my personality, I'm sure I wouldn't like the game. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't. I'm not. In, I'm not going to try it out. Um, but that being said, yeah, I'm very well aware of the cultural relevance, and I would have. I wouldn't have batted an eye if you would have put it at like number thirteen below Fortnite. Like I would have given you as far mm-hmm. as that high, but you know what I mean. <laughs> like it's kind of hard for me to say. You know, it's so weird to see like Metal Gear Solid. Um, you know, it takes two and. 
um, what else? Fire Emblem Three Houses, Super Meat Boy, Above League of Legends. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you could have could have probably it up just a, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, you know? Nah, it's it's all right. I uh, I I feel like you know at the end of the day, like I I feel like I would recommend some of these other games to people over League of Legends, especially nowadays. True. Um. It's almost like sort of like this weird like personal like emotional shout that I feel like I need to have it in the list. <laughs> and I'm just kind of getting it out of the way, but I don't want to argue uh for like trying to like keep propping it up or whatever. And part of why I'm not arguing too is because I get to do a second move today. <laughs> All right, go for it. And uh I and this is one that I I think that you may not like. <gasps> Oh my um, god. Okay. But I'm not trying I'm not trying to be a contrarian, right? I believe I believe in the moves I make. Okay. Um so there's one game in this list that I like a lot and that I know you like a lot too. Okay. But when I was thinking about it and reflecting on the list when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to change, uh I think I want to bring this game down. <gasps> and the reason why I want to bring this game down is because I think what this game did has been since done better by other games in the list that are under it okay and that game that i want to bring down in the list is uncharted 2 interesting i yeah. would not have gone with that one but you know I, I i don't i'm trying to think what you would want to swap it or bring it down for because like i was never like batting an eye um during our read-throughs of our list you know what i mean uh mm -hmm. but let's let's hear it let me hear you out okay <laughs> so so here's the thing i i think the uh the format of game that that Naughty Dog created with the Uncharted series kind of became the blueprint for a lot of what Sony does. I think they've perfected the formula with The Last of Us, and I think that games like Ghost of Tsushima, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Spider Man, all three of them, and God of I War. think basically <laughs> do and God of War, of course, do what Uncharted did best. Uh, or better. Yeah. And I think that we have a soft spot for Uncharted to this day because it did it first. But I, when I look at it um, and I was going through the list and figuring out what to do, I personally believe it should be under those other games. And I actually, I want to keep it in the top 20, but I want to bring it towards the bottom of the top 20. Okay. Um, and on that note, I'm not done yet. <laughs> there is a game in the top 20 that I actually think should be higher. And that game is Inside. Oh. Because I think Inside, the more I think about it, it is such, it's, it's a borderline perfect game for what it specifically tries to do. And it is so unique. It is so atmospheric. It is an original IP. Um, and I just don't think there's really anything else in the list quite like it. And because of that, I want to swap Uncharted swap. 2 and oh. Inside. Yeah. Hot swap. Okay. I feel like we should be tracking this. Like, what's <laughs> like, not, no, not, I'm not saying like in a bad way. I'm saying like, yeah. is this like the highest, like, hot swap from like seven spots or whatever, whatever we did? You know what I mean? Like, that's like, that's kind of like how my, where my sort of thinking is. Uh, I feel like, I feel like the Super Mario Galaxy swap was pretty, uh, uh, was pretty big too, but I I don't I don't really remember. Um, now we are we should be able to track this because I save all the docs for all the shows, uh, so we need, just need to go back. That's too much. That's too much effort. That's <laughs> <laughs> too much effort. But yeah, you're right. Uh, but no, that's I don't. I'm not gonna. 
uh, I'm not going to flinch on that one. Um, there's, uh, there's a case to be made. And um, we, I liked Inside. I liked Uncharted 2. Personally, I would give the nod to Uncharted 2. Like, I, I was, I'm actually more favorable to the way it was before. Uh, but I'm also not going to argue with this one either. And even if I could, I, I couldn't argue with you even if I could. But like, generally speaking, like, I don't feel strongly to advocate than to not do it. You know what I mean? So I'll, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, uh, I will say this. I, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable with Uncharted 2 being at number 20. That seems a little too low for Uncharted 2, my personal booking. Uh, okay. Uh, but I also don't think that, like, when it comes to the top 10, it's, like, hard. It's easy. Or, not say, it's very, it, it does the, number 10 does a good job of holding the line. For me, number 20 does not good at, do a good job of holding the line. Number 20 is so easy to, to fall, you know what I mean? And I feel like mm-hmm. we're going to easily see a situation where Uncharted 2 will not be in the top 20. Uh, mm. so maybe I'll correct it on my go around. Who knows? We'll see how number when we get to number twenty five, how things shake up and where I'm feeling. But yeah, okay, fair, fair enough. Uh, and with that, I'm gonna read our full list now. I'm gonna do something a little different. I'm gonna go from the bottom up. Ah, okay. <laughs> so uh, number thirty, League of Legends. Number twenty nine, Mario Power Tennis. Number twenty eight, It Takes Two. Twenty seven, Super Meat Boy. 26, Fire Emblem Three Houses. 25, Metal Gear Solid. 24, Rayman Legends. 23, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. 22, Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. 21, Bioshock. Now on to the top 20. Uncharted 2, Among Thieves. 19, Portal. 18, Journey. 17, Horizon Zero Dawn. 16, Ghost of Tsushima. 15, Marvel Spider-Man. 14, Shovel Knight. 13, Inside. 12, Fortnite Battle Royale. 11, Ori and the Blind Forest. And finally, on to the top 10. Number 10, Celeste. Number 9, God of War. Number 8, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Number 7, Super Mario Galaxy. Number 6, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Number 5, Street Fighter 2. Number 4, Tetris. Number 3, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Number 2, The Last of Us. And number 1, Super Mario World. Nice. All right, Louis. We end its show with a... Oh, wait. We got to do a sound effect. All right. Sing us out. All right. (laughs) Mario sound effect. Let's go. We end each show with a recommendation for our audience. Uh and I think I got nothing. <laughs> like I was thinking like I'm watching Attack on Titan right now, but we talked about that. Um I am uh, I just watched Nope uh in movie theater still. Uh I thought that was very interesting. Like I liked it, but I didn't like it more than the other uh like i think get out still probably the best jordan peele movie uh but worth 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 a watch i recommend people check it out um yeah i don't i don't really have much else so why why do why do you want to give us today um well today's uh today of day of recording is disney plus day so we got obviously thor love and thunder um on disney plus as well as like they released a pinocchio game but it reviewed poorly or Pinocchio movie, excuse me. Yeah, a Pinocchio movie, but it remo- yeah. reviewed very poorly. IGN gave it a five. Uh, that's no bueno. Um, but I will say this: I I did watch a movie recently. Uh, it came out like a week ago, a week or two ago, on Amazon Prime. It's a movie starring Sylvester Stallone, and the movie did was supposed to come out in theaters last summer, like last August, and then it got pulled from the release calendar because Amazon bought MGM. And uh, now Mm -hmm. the movie is out on Amazon Prime, like, you know, being released there for the first time. And I remember reading the synopsis 
uh, for the movie, and I was excited just on the synopsis alone. Like, it's a movie about like a, a superhero f- from back in the day who, who's who's thought to be dead, and then this little kid discovers his neighbor might be that superhero that was that is thought to be dead. He's like, oh my god, it's Samaritan, you know, like that's the name of the movie is mm-hmm. Samaritan. And so just on that premise, I just like my imagination sort of like took is like, oh, well, how how cool would that be? Sylvester Stallone is a a former superhero and stuff like that. You can always, you always see like a new interesting take on superhero movies. I'm going to tell you this right now. This movie is mediocre as fuck. It's like a five or a six, but you know, you know, I'm still going to recommend it just because, you know, it's, it's a movie that's <laughs> on Amazon. <laughs> I, I, I had a pretty decent time with it. Like there are some things, there's a plot twist that I actually called. Like I saw it coming. I was like, Oh, okay. I know what's going to happen. And then, and then we were right, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so it was, it, it was, it had some fun action beats, you know, it's, uh, a little tropey and, uh, yeah. So watch Samaritan on Amazon prime. I know it's not a glowing recommendation, but it's something. It, it's a movie. <laughs> Louis <laughs> Five out of 10. Um, all right. Good enough. Good enough. Um, well, as we uh, mentioned earlier in the show next week, spoiler cast time week after that episode. And then the week after that, I think we're going to have a spoiler cast again, but I'm not promising it yet. Yeah. Uh, it is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Press Play. Don't forget to subscribe. Give us a nice review. Tell your friends about the show. You can find the podcast at Ready Press Play on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at PowerUpDan. Lewis? At Chocolaka88. That's right. See you next time, guys. Peace.